Welcome to the Vineyard Church Podcast. Today we ask the question, is it possible to get out of the cycle of sin once you've been pulled in? Well, Chris Dew shares three reasons we find ourselves in sin as well as the answer to that question. Let's listen in. What is up, Vineyard Church family? It's Chris here. I'm glad to be with you again. If you would, would you pray with me? And then we'll jump in uh, to the scripture. Jesus, I pray uh, that you would inflame our hearts again. That as we open your word this morning, as we uh, pray and hear from your spirit, I pray that you would, um, I don't know, just inflame our hearts again, expand our view of who you are, God. And uh, would you uh, just help us to understand how um, holy you are and how loving you are. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Have you ever had the experience where uh, that you're up, uh, you're kind of late one night and you're like, I'm just going to watch one episode of this TV show. And then three and a half hours later, it's like three o'clock in the morning, and that you have been pulled into that TV show. Anybody ever had that experience? This happens to me sometimes, right? I'm up late and it's like, man, I'm going to only watch one. I got to go to bed. So I'm going to watch only one episode. And then I get pulled in and I'm there on the couch. I've eaten all my snacks and everything, right? But this happened one time uh, that my wife was watching a show and uh, that I... I believe we have a picture of it that's going to come on the screen. Yeah. Yep. It was The Bachelorette. And uh, then I walked in one night and I, I was like, babe, what are you watching? And it was The Bachelorette. And I was like, babe, we're better than this. Come on. We, we, we are. I'm, I'm a pastor. Come on. We're not going to watch The Bachelorette. And uh, I mocked it a little bit. I made fun of it. Uh, but then a week later, it was on again. And I was like, I'm gonna be a good husband this time. I'm gonna stop and watch it just for a minute. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just kind of hang on the couch, I'll eat some snacks, and I'll go. And I did. And it was like, okay, that's, that's kind of weird. Like, why'd she pick that guy instead of that guy? And a week later, I uh, was at work that day, and I was like, man, I, I think it's Monday night. I think that, uh, you know, that TV show is on that uh, you know, Kathleen watches. And I came home and I watched the whole episode with her. Had all these thoughts on who that she should have picked and who she didn't pick. But then a week later, um, Kat was out of town and I had a choice to make. I could either you know do a home project or something like a man would normally do, or I could watch The Bachelorette all by myself. And that's what I did. I literally watched The Bachelorette all by myself. And uh, yeah, here's my man card. I, I apologize, right? But oftentimes that's how things work, right? That we are like, man, I, I don't like that. That's weird. And then we slowly get pulled in. And in our scripture that we're going to look at here this morning of Sodom and Gomorrah, which um Praise God for the team and everybody for choosing me to preach this text, but um, Sodom and Gomorrah. And here in the scriptures that we have on the screen right now, that we see that this happens to Lot as well. That in chapter 13 of Genesis, he's close to Sodom. 
And then a chapter later, he's in Sodom. And then a few chapters later, he's in the gate of Sodom, ultimately meaning that he's one of the leaders of Sodom, highly respected in that town. How did he go from, I'm close to Sodom, I'm not that far into it, into I'm in Sodom, into I'm one of the leaders of Sodom? Yet we do this as well. Right? That we have one drink and then it's, well, I'll, I'll have a few more drinks and then I'm drunk and then it's alcoholism. This is how it works with all kinds of drug addiction. It's, you know, I'm, I'm going to smoke a little bit of weed and then I'll try a little bit of harder drugs and then eventually I'm a heroin junkie. That's my story. Yet it isn't only with that type of stuff, right? It's also with, uh, you know, affairs. Do you have attraction to a person who isn't your spouse? And then there's flirting and then uh, that you have an emotional affair and then you finally have a physical affair and your life blows up. This is how sin works. I love this quote. It says this, sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you there longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. This is how sin works. It's enticing. It slowly draws you in. It's not like one day I'm just hanging out, have a job, and then the next day I'm a crackhead. It, 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 it's a slow process that pulls you in. This is how sin works. It always takes you farther than you want to go, keeps you there longer than you want to stay, and costs you more than you want to pay. So here's our question that I want to try to answer is how do we get out of this cycle of sin once we've already been pulled in? After you're already in that cycle of sin, how do you get out once you've been pulled in? I've got three points. Here's point number one. Understand what's enticing you. Understand what's enticing you. The last time I preached, I prepped you in that message. I said, hey, just want to let you know, this is PG-13, right? There's some sketchy things that happen with Ham and his father or maybe his mother or something, and, it, and it's hidden kind of, yet it's sketchy and it's PG-13. Now, this text that we're going to look at here this morning is R-rated, and it leaves nothing to your imagination. It is very blunt. It is very clear about what happens in this passage. So I just want to prep you. If you have a child in the room, this scripture is a little sketchy. Are you ready for it? Okay, here's what happens. Is that uh, uh, these angels come into Sodom and it's a sketchy town. It's very wicked. Um, there's all kinds of crazy stuff happening. Um, and uh, the angels come into town and, uh, they meet Lot and he invites them over to their house. They have a huge meal. It's incredible. They spend time together. They, uh, just have a great time, except right about uh, the time that they're about to go to sleep. They hear a knock at the door and the scripture explains that it is all of the, uh, the men of 
Sodom. The small ones, the great ones, the old ones and the young ones are all outside. He answers the door and all the men say, hey, we heard that there are two men in your home and we want you to send them outside in order that we can have our way with them. And do you know what I'm saying here? And uh, he says, no, 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 you can't have them, yet you can have my two virgin uh, daughters instead, which great parenting lot. Uh, but ultimately that, uh, that they, um, that the angels come out and they make all the men blind and they're kind of walking around like groping for the floor. And then uh, the angels tell a lot, hey, we're going to destroy this town. Like we came down here to kind of check it out and to see how wicked it was. And it's worse than we thought. And therefore we are going to destroy this town. So you need to um, escape ultimately. Uh, that you need to get your family members, your wife, your daughters, your t- sons-in-law, and you need to escape. And that's what he does. He, he urgently says, all right, let's go. He asks his wife to come and she's like, I'm on board. He asks his daughters to come and they're on board. And then he asks his sons-in-laws all to come and they're like, nah, this this is a joke. Like these angels aren't real. And that they leave and exactly what they said happens. That all the towns in Sodom and Gomorrah are destroyed ultimately. And all these things happen, but it ends up that Lot is alone with his two daughters up in the hills hiding. And uh, the the two daughters ultimately have this idea in their mind of, man, we're not going to have any kids uh, because it's only us and our dad, and therefore we have to sleep with him. And they get him drunk, and they sleep with their father. And that's where uh, the Ammonites come from and... um, What's the other name of it? The uh, the Moabites come from those two kids. So that's the text we're going to look at here in this message. And I don't know about you, but when I read this text, I'm like, dang, these people are messed up. I mean, it's kind of like when we watch Hoarders. You know, I don't know if you've have you ever seen Hoarders, but like I may have a lot of stuff at my house, yet every time I watch Hoarders, I'm like, yeah, man, these people are messed up. I'm doing quite well. Uh, like when I go to 12-step meetings, uh, that sometimes I go and I just, man, like I feel bad about my life. I don't know what's happening. I go to this meeting and I hear about everyone else's problems. I'm like, yeah, I, I'm, I'm doing quite well. I ain't as messed up as these people. Yet, I think it's easy to think in this passage of, dang, these people are messed up. Like what's wrong with this culture they're living in? Yet... I also think that there's a lot of correlations between the culture that we read about here in Sodom and uh, the culture that we live in here in America and in uh, the Western world. So uh, we have a tree that we're going to throw up on the screen or to illustrate this point just a little bit. But ultimately, the three things that we... Um, observe in this passage is sexual sin and violence and a lack of hospitality and love. 
sexual sin, lots of violence, and a lack of hospitality and love. Yet as we look at our culture as well, these are the realities we have in our world. This is the air we breathe in our modern culture. Everything is sexualized. Every commercial, every hair product, every clothing stuff, it's all sexualized. And how about violence? This is everywhere right now. School shootings, right? There's, there's all these arguments and, 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 and screaming matches and actual violence that's happening. And have you been on the internet recently? Because there is a lack of hospitality and love. Yet, over the past few years, what I've been trying to do is rather than just screaming at the fruit, I've been trying to understand the root system of our secular, sinful culture. And Paul helps us out in this in Romans chapter 1, where he identifies the three aspects of the root system that help or that causes us uh, to get to a place like Sodom is in this passage and like you and I live in here today. Are you ready for it? All right, so here are the three things. One is that we fail to acknowledge God. We fail to acknowledge Him. Even though like we've seen peacocks, right? We've seen sunsets, we've seen... um, ocean creatures and just how beautiful this world is that screams, there is a creator, there is a God. We fail to acknowledge and we say, what, you believe in a God? That's so foolish. Why would anyone believe in God? We fail to acknowledge him. Two is that we think we're smarter than God, right? It's like, I know what God's word says, yet I have this idea in my heart and I have this feeling that I am going to view uh, the feeling I have as absolute truth. It is my truth. All truth is relative then, and therefore we are claiming that we are smarter than God. And I don't think we'd actually like speak that out loud, yet how we live our lives is exactly that way that we read a scripture and we think there's an asterisk in there. And it's like, man, if God knew who I was and my culture and all the things I'm going through, he would say, I didn't have to obey that one. And therefore we think we're smarter than God. And lastly, that we choose creation over the creator. I don't want you, God. I just want your stuff. Hospitality is good, but I just want to hang out with my family. I know you say to love your enemy, but I'm I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going to choose sports over scripture and the spirit and even church. I'm going to choose creation over the creator. Instagram over having a quiet time. Choose the creation over the creator. So as we look at Sodom here, which is clearly fallen. And as we look at our world as well, we can see that there is sexual sin everywhere. It's in every uh, policy that's passed. It's in every commercial. It's in every magazine. Sexual sin is everywhere. And then also violence. 
There's school shootings, there's, there, there's screaming matches and punching and violence and a lack of hospitality and love. Yet, it's easy to point out the fruit of a fallen culture, yet I think it's more helpful to understand the root system of a fallen culture, that we fail to acknowledge God, that we think we're smarter than God, and we choose creation over the creator. And if we're going to follow Jesus in our secular age, we must be aware of the fallen world's root system in order that we can resist it. It's trying to pull us in. It is enticing us all the time. And if we're not careful, we will slowly be pulled in to it. We are called to live in the world, yet not be of the world. And for most of us, all of the fruit in our lives as well is pretty easy you know, to identify. For some, it is anger and violence, and you just have these outbursts. You know, for others of us, that it's alcohol and drugs, and we just have this thing, man, I, I, I just can't get a hold on this habit or that one. Or it's porn or other t- sexual sins. Yet one of the things I learned as that I walked through just my own journey with addiction, is that oftentimes the root system is actually harder to identify, yet is the actual cause of the things that I am going through. It is the sin under the sin that we actually have to root up if we're going to experience freedom. So how do we get out of the cycle of sin once we've already been pulled in. One, we have to understand what's enticing us. Two, is we have to escape with urgency. Escape with urgency. When I was a kid, uh, we had all kinds of cockroaches in our house. It was super, you know, hard. I had one crawl on me when I was sleeping. It was, it was not good. But uh, that up until that point that we would try to creep up on them and like swat them with a slipper. Anybody else know what I'm talking about? Come on, somebody. Uh, but you'd creep up on these roaches and you would swat them with a slipper and like you'd kill them and you'd be like, oh, that was so satisfying. Yes. Yep. I'm still falling, clearly. Uh, but I remember one day uh, that they had evolved or something and I crept up on this little thing and I was going to swat it with a slipper just like I always did. And this thing, if I'm lying, I'm dying, flew in the air and tried to fly in my face. This thing learned how to fly somehow, and it was literally flying right for my face. You should have seen me run out of the house that day. I, I, I screamed and I escaped urgently. Now, I have uh, you know, pest people that come to my house now, and if that I ever see a roach, I'm, I'm just moving out. I'll just uh, you know uh, sell the house immediately and get out of there because I can't do roaches. Yet, this is kind of like how Lot escaped from Sodom. He didn't hang out and say, all right, angels, I know you said that you're going to destroy this town, but I need a week to put my house on the market and then I'm going to get out of here. No, no, no. He left immediately. He escaped urgently. Here's what they say to him in verse 17. 
escape for your life. You do not look back or stop anywhere in the valley. Escape to the hills lest you be swept away. And this is what they did. They escaped urgently. And if we're going to break the cycle of sin that we find ourselves in, we have to escape with urgency. Now, that one of the ways that I try to interpret the Old Testament, right, and this will be helpful uh, just as you read through the Old Testament as well, is that I try to look at how Jesus and Paul and Peter and uh, the other passages in the New Testament, how they interpret the Old Testament passage. And in Sodom and Gomorrah, almost every passage that I found uh, that quotes Sodom and Gomorrah passage or, or uh, you know, references it in any way is that it is a reference to the wrath and the judgment of God. And this is a heavy topic, right? That, uh, that every time that we see it quoted in the New Testament, it's oftentimes a reference to eternal judgment and hell. Here's a few of those passages. Here's how Peter explains it. It's as if by turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah to ashes, he condemned them to extinction, making them an example of what is going to happen to the ungodly. Here's another one. Just as Sodom and Gomorrah and all the surrounding cities, which likewise indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desire, serve as an example by undergoing a punishment of eternal fire. And then lastly, this is Jesus's explanation. Truly I say to you, it will be more bearable on the day of judgment for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah than for that town who rejected Jesus and his teachings. Now, every time that uh, that we um, talk about hell or eternal judgment or the wrath of God, I don't think we should um, have those conversations lightly. It isn't a joking matter. It's not some like, oh, Sodom and Gomorrah, let's just laugh about it and joke about it. These are heavy, heavy topics here. But in our world, I've noticed that even in me, I don't like the idea of judgment. You know, I think, man, I, I just want everybody to love each other. Like, why does there have to be judgment? But I think I understand this way more now having a child. Uh, the Evelyn is walking now and is, uh, you know, like 15 months old. And I love my little girl so much. Uh, the other night, this is this is off script a little bit, uh, but the other night uh, it was her and I at the house and I was rocking her asleep and she fell asleep with her head on my shoulder. And it was just like, oh my gosh, I, I love my little girl so much. And I've learned that if anybody tries to hurt my little girl, I can start a prison ministry real fast, right? I can do uh, preaching and teaching and make disciples. I can do that in prison, right? So if you try to hurt my little girl, I will go to prison very quickly, right? I'm, I'm totally okay with that. But what I've learned is that ultimately genuine love leads to the possibility of wrath. 
Genuine love leads to the possibility of wrath or else it's not love. And especially over the past three years that we have seen in our culture, even though we claim that, no, 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 we just want love, not judgment, that we have seen in our world, in our culture, that there is this internal cry for justice and judgment. Like uh, the George Floyd stuff. Right, that he was killed. We, we, we saw the videos and there was this outcry culturally that was like, that's unjust. There's gotta be judgment. He's gotta pay for what he did, right? And then all the riots and stuff too, that there's all these people that are like, no, no, that, that's unjust. Why would you hurt those companies and the buildings? They did not do anything. And culturally there has been this crying out of, man, there's got to be justice. There's got to be judgment. And here's why, because we are made in the image of God and we internally know that there has to be judgment. There has to be justice. There's so much injustice happening in our world, wrong things that are happening. There has to be a way that everything is set right. And here's the reality, is that there is a holy God who created everything in the universe. And he is a just judge. And he promises that he will set everything right. He will judge the world. All that is wrong will be set right. And hell is the place of judgment. And this text is a picture of what happens to those people who do not know Christ, who reject Jesus and say, no, 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 I don't want you. This is a passage about the judgment of God. But here's the beautiful thing, is that there's a way out. There's a way out. He isn't just saying, hey, there's going to be judgment and everyone has fallen short and therefore everyone's going to pay the price. Yet rather, there is a way out. Here's how it explains how Lot got out. He says this, So it was that when God destroyed the cities of the valley, he remembered Abraham and sent Lot out. I want you to highlight that, underline all those words if you do that in your Bible, but it says that he remembered Abraham and therefore he sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had lived. I don't want you to miss that. I don't want you to miss this reality that how Lot escaped wasn't because he was righteous on his own primarily. It was because Abraham was righteous and he had a relationship with Abraham. And this is how it is for us as well. You and I can't escape from the judgment of God on our own um, righteousness. Yet it is the righteousness of Christ that allows us to escape from the judgment of God. All of the punishment that you and I deserve for our sin was put on Jesus on the cross. And it is our relationship with Christ, not our own righteousness on our own, that allows us to escape the judgment of God. 
So he encourages us. Just like these angels said, hey, get out, escape urgently. The God of the universe looks at you and I and says, hey, judgment is coming. Yet there is a way out. His name is Jesus. I'm going to implore you to urgently repent and follow Christ. This is not a call to hide from the world, yet it's a call uh, to escape from the value system of the world. It's not a call to go to the hills and hide and, and uh, to churn your own butter and just kind of live with just, like only your family. No, no, no. It's a call to escape from the value system of the world and from sin and to live in the world with faithful presence. So if you're listening to this right now and that you are in a cycle of sin, I would encourage you to escape urgently. Place your faith in Jesus and you do whatever it takes, anything you must in order to experience freedom. Ask for help. So how do you escape from the cycle of sin once you've already been pulled in, one, you have to understand what's enticing you, right? It isn't only the fruit, it's also the root system. And then two is escape with urgency. And then lastly, you don't look back. You don't look back. Here's what uh, the scripture explains in verse 26. It says, but Lot's wife. Behind him, looked back, and she became a pillar of salt. I remember uh, the first few times I, I heard about this passage or read this, and I was like, man, come on. Like, what'd she do? She just kind of glanced over her shoulder and bah, instantly became a pillar of salt. Uh, but as I've read some commentaries on this and, and uh, you know, done some research, and I don't think it was just kind of a glance over her shoulder. And I think actually what happened is that she turned around and started heading back into her old life. That clearly the angel said, hey, keep your eyes straight ahead. Don't look back. Don't turn around. Keep going. You can't stop anywhere on the road. Yet what she did is she longed for her old life and she turned around. And as that she came closer and closer, sulfur was coming down fire was coming down and that she became a pillar of salt. That's what she looked like as she got closer. This is a returning to her old ways rather than escaping in obedience. And us too, we cannot turn around and say, yeah, I kind of like Jesus, but I really like my old life. We have to not turn back. There's this old story about a Spanish explorer named Cortez. And uh, he left uh, his home country and he had um, a few hundred uh, people with him and, and the, I think it was 11 boats. And uh, he knew that once they got uh, to the uh, shore of the Aztec Empire, that there was going to be a brutal battle. And he knew that all his guys were going to be scared because they were really outnumbered and they only had a few hundred people. But ultimately, they came on the shore 
And what he did is he knew they were going to be scared and therefore he destroyed 10 of the 11 boats. I think he had one just in case you know, something bad happened that he could get on. Uh, but the story is cooler if he burned them all, right? So he destroyed all the boats. And uh, that his small little army ended up actually winning this, uh, this crazy battle with uh, the Aztec Empire because they didn't have any option of retreat. I don't want you to miss this, that we cannot leave options for retreat. Uh, I remember when I was getting out of rehab uh, that I had a mentor that said, hey man, that I know that you're about to get your cell phone back. And uh, there's a lot of numbers in there probably that um, aren't so great that are old connections with, uh, you know, all kinds of drug dealers and stuff like that. So I would encourage you that, uh, that once you get your phone back, I'd erase all the drug numbers in your phone. And I did, man. I heard that advice. And I was like, man, I want to eliminate all option of retreat, right? So I scrolled through my phone and I erased every single number that had any ties uh, to my old, you know, life. It's crazy. I had like three numbers left, right? It was like all family members. But anyways, I, I cleared the phone. Um, I remember uh, that when I first got married as well, that I was uh, you know, reading a book uh, called What Radical Husbands Do. Really good book. It's like 100 pages or less. Highly recommend it. Uh, but there's a part in there where he explains this story about Cortez. And then he says, man, I would erase any old flings on Facebook, Instagram, in your phone, anything. And I stayed up that night really late and I erased anybody on Facebook or Instagram uh, that was an old fling or would be a temptation for me. Old relationships, old flings, I would encourage you the same thing. We don't look back. Let's... Um, destroy all options of retreat that we have, right? Because this world is enticing. It will try to pull you back in. Greed, lust, and pride are enticing. And I love, and I'm going to close with this. I love the words of Jesus here in Luke 17, as he explains about Lot's wife. He says this, Remember Lot's wife. And here's his explanation. Whoever seeks to preserve his life will lose it. Yet, whoever loses his or her life will keep it. I love this passage of scripture here that Jesus explains about Lot's wife. He's ultimately saying that Lot's wife is a picture of trying to preserve her old life. Yep, I left in obedience, yet I'm going to turn back again. Rather than moving on to the new life that Jesus has for her, for you, she turns around and says, no, 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 I want my old life. This is an all or nothing verse. Half measures avail us nothing, it says in the AA book. Yet, I love the promise here that he gives. He says this, whoever loses his life will keep it. This is a promise that I want us uh, to really hone in on 
right now. If you lose your life in the flesh, you'll find the life that you have always dreamed of in Jesus. His way, his will is actually what our souls long for. It's not the three things we talked about, sexual sin and violence and lack of love and hospitality. Our souls were made for the God of the universe. You and I were made to have a perfect relationship with him. It's what our souls long for. And if we lose our old life, we will find this life that we've always dreamed of in a relationship and in the way of Jesus. How do we get out of this cycle of sin once we've already been pulled in? Well, one, we have to understand what's enticing us. We have to understand what's enticing us, all the fruit and also the root system. We ultimately have to understand the sin under the sin. And then we have to escape with urgency. We have to trust Christ and we have to be obedient to him. And it isn't our righteousness that helps us escape. It's Christ's righteousness and our placing our faith in him, asking for help. And then after we start following Jesus, we can't look back. We can't be like Lot's wife who starts out well and then I retreat. Rather, we've got to turn and keep our eyes fixed straight ahead on Jesus. I think a very helpful uh, story uh, that illustrates this is Christopher Wan. Uh, He was raised in a strict Chinese family. He was very educated. Um, And from an early age, he just had this hole inside him that he uh, didn't understand why it was there. And uh, pretty quickly, uh, he got into sexual sin um, and uh, drugs. He became a drug dealer uh, to like 11 states. Uh, He was having uh, multiple uh, sexual encounters every day with other men. Um, he had hit the point uh, that all of his you know, culture had said, bro, you've made it, right? He had all the money. He had all the t- sexual encounters that he wanted, um, yet he was t- still had that hole in his soul. He had this longing inside of him. He was still unsatisfied. His uh, parents ended up hearing about Jesus and uh, you know, getting saved. And uh, they started investing in Christopher and and praying for him. And he hated him, right? He hated all this Jesus stuff. He's like, what are y'all talking about? What are you doing? Uh, But he eventually, uh, you know, uh, was caught with 18,000 pounds of weed. I don't know about you, but I was a drug dealer, but I was small time compared to that. I didn't have anywhere close to that. He was facing 12 to life in prison. He called all of his friends and was like, hey, listen, I need help. Please just encourage me. His friends wouldn't answer the phone. But then he called his parents and he expected them to scream at him and yell and and, uh, to be angry and said, I told you so. But rather, uh, they loved him and they showed him grace. And uh, pretty quickly after that, uh, he found a copy of the Bible in in, the prison that he was in. And he started reading it. And about that time, he 
found out that he had HIV as well. And as he's in prison wrestling with these crazy realities of, I got caught, I have HIV, I'm still unsatisfied. He read the scriptures and he found hope in there. And slowly over time, um, the Lord changed him. The alcohol and drugs first, and then his sexuality as well. In his words, he says that he chose the Lord over his sexuality. After three years, he was released from prison and started school because he had experienced the one thing that he had always been looking for. And that's a relationship with the God of the universe. Now he's an author and a speaker and has one of these crazy stories where he had been pulled into the cycle of sin in this world. And ultimately, exactly like the quote we read at the beginning, it took him way farther than he wanted to go. It kept him there way longer than he wanted to stay. It cost him way more than he wanted to pay Yet he had this encounter with Jesus and he escaped urgently through placing his trust and faith in Christ. And from that point on, he hasn't looked back. And I love uh, this quote uh, that he has. Uh, He says this, change isn't the absence of struggles. Change is the freedom to choose holiness in the midst of my struggles. A vineyard, that's what we're talking about here this morning. This cycle of sin that pulls us in, changes in the absence of struggles and desires and temptations. Change is the freedom to choose holiness in the the midst of our struggles. So if you're listening to this right now and you're like, man, um, yeah, I'm in the cycle of sin, man. Like uh, that I'm a Christian, but man, I'm I'm in this cycle. Like I've turned back. I've been pulled in. I would encourage you as you're listening to this right now, pray to God and repent. You say, God, I I, I don't want to turn back. Please rescue me. I'm willing to do whatever. I will escape urgently from these things. And if you're here listening and you're like, man, I, I, I'm, I am not a Christian yet. I am completely in my sin. I've tried to be a good person. I can't do it. I'm unsatisfied like Christopher Juan. I'd encourage you that Jesus has made a way that you can escape. He paid the penalty for your sin on the cross. He rose from the grave. And now he tells you, escape urgently from your sin. Judgment is coming, yet there's a way of grace and forgiveness. Your sin can be paid for by Jesus and you can be freed. And let's lose our lives. And as we lose our lives, our old lives, that we can find our new lives in Christ. I love you, Vineyard. Thanks for joining us on the Vineyard Podcast today. It's our greatest desire for people to find and follow God, and we hope this podcast is one way that helps you do just that. But don't stop here. We would love to see you face-to-face. God's people grow most in community, so don't forget you can join us live at the Capitol Theater in downtown Wheeling 
every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. If you'd like to connect with us in the meantime, make sure to visit our website, vineyardwheeling.com, or download our app. You can catch up on previous messages and series, request prayer, and even download additional content. Thanks again for joining us this week. We'll see you next time.